the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. But as if I'm a guy that's up for that job, I'd have to educate myself on the situation. Then I'd have to make a decision. I mean, Luke has it pretty good at Cincinnati. Luke has recruited better than anybody in the AAC. He's won 11 games in back-to-back seasons. And he's a smart guy, and he knows he can be selective because he knows Cincinnati's not going in the dumper unless they have an amazing number of injuries and bad luck. He's going to have opportunities after the 2020 season and and on and on and on. Yeah, he is. But he doesn't care, seems, as we start a Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. There are all kinds of rumors, buzz, innuendo out there. Including from uh, Greg the Egg. Greg the on Egg. Is Greg on the it. Egg is breaking the story. Greg the Egg on Twitter. We'll shout him out. One of the reports says they've reached a deal. Yeah, five years. on MSU. Five years, twenty-four million. Wait, can't get uh, that twenty-five right. million. <laughs> well, come uh, on, MSU. Pony plus, uh, also rumored is the quarterback Evan. Is it Prater? Evan Prater, Prater Cincinnati, Wyoming. Mister Football. Mister Football Wyoming. might be heading up to Michigan State with uh, Luke Fickle. So if uh, Cincinnati agrees to release him, but I guess what. Marcus Freeman would be in place to take over at MSU, and I don't know. At UC, you mean? UC, right? yeah. Sorry, no, I got making all kinds of mistakes with MSU. Well, I, I look, I I think it's a great job, and I don't know what's gone down. And all I know is that Robert Sala turned it down, which yep. is no surprise because Robert Sala has NFL head coach San aspirations. Forty Nine ers defensive coordinator. Yes, also interviewed for the Cleveland Browns job, and Robert Sala uh, is going to be an NFL head coach. He is from Dearborn, Michigan, so that was one of the, I think, attractions that Michigan State probably thought they could appeal to with Robert Sall. Also, Mel Tucker, former Buckeye assistant coach, also coached with the Browns and many teams in the NFL, is now the head coach of Colorado, turned it down. So I look at it like, okay, Luke, for appearance, we're going to act like we're interviewing other people, and I'm sure there's some people on the board of trustees that wanted to go through the process. But if I'm Luke, I'm not risking interviewing for the job and not getting the job. You remember when Glenn Mason interviewed for the job back here at Ohio State. I do. very well. Thought he had a job, got on the plane, and had to go take a vote. And I give Mason all kinds of credit for this. He took a vote amongst the, his members, team members at Minnesota to see if they wanted him to still be their head coach after he accepted the Ohio State job. Then it was changed. Did you not know that story? I know he took a vote. I thought he took a vote after Ohio State. Like what? What I've been told is Mace got on a plane going back thought to he Minnesota. Thought he had the job. Landed in Minnesota, and I talked to him. I mean, I just remember talking yeah. to him on his cell phone on his way back home from the airport. And I don't know if I was the one who told him Tress was hired, but that's when he found out. Right, he found out when he landed that Tress was hired. That's what I said. You said. After he was hired at OSU, that he gave it. You meant the Minnesota players took a vote. He asked them if they wanted him back, right, as, as Minnesota's coach. Minnesota's head yeah. coach, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because he thought, or I said, took the job. Well, I'm assuming he he was told he had a job. Then yeah. somebody changed their mind, and Coach Trestle ended up with a job. So Mace has to go in and ask his players for the vote. The point is, it's a risky to interview without some type of assurance. So I'm I'm thinking that behind the scenes. There was some type of assurance that Luke's getting a job. Now, there's supposed to be an announcement today. At least it's rumored. If true, today we'll get an announcement. Okay. But uh, I, I, I think it's a great move for him. Um, I think Michigan State's the right job for this reason, Bruce. 
the standard at Michigan State, no matter what people say it is, the standard isn't what it is at Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan. Right. If you go and you are pretty good every three or four years, and Mark D'Antonio did some great things as a head coach at Michigan State, that cannot be denied. I mean, he had some really good teams, some really good players. He was a pain in the rear end of Ohio State. He was a pain in the rear end of Michigan. And he did a lot of great things and had them in the playoff one year, had them competing for Big Ten championships. But I do think that Luke is the uh, breath of fresh air that Michigan State needs, and I think he'll give the uh, recruiting a shot in an arm that it needs. So that's that's my opinion. So we have two different things we can – three different things we can discuss with Luke Fickle. First of all, you and I are in total agreement that he should never have interviewed for this job. Right? Yeah, but I th- also think it was a – Cosmetic scam interview, scam a hoax interview. interview. Yes, yeah, we got use some, the vernacular of the day. We have some difficult trustees. We're going to say you interviewed, but it's really your job. So I'm going to fly to Colorado to talk to Mel Tucker. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to tell Mel Tucker, "Hey, Mel, we're going to interview you, but Luke Fickle's our first choice." And then Mel Tucker's going to pull out, so Mel Tucker saves face. La 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 la. They got to make it look like they went somewhere other than just picking D'Antonio's anointed successor. But you and I are in agreement that Luke should not sit down and interview for the job. Correct. Scam interview, okay. You and I are in disagreement that he should take the job. And I don't mean that Michigan State's not a good job for Luke Fickle, and or nor do I disagree that he will do a great job at Michigan State. Correct. He will. I don't think the timing is ideal, and for that reason, I would turn it down because there's no way for Luke Fickle to sign a recruiting class at Cincinnati and then walk out on that recruiting class. He can't take 20, let's say five, 25 guys. Let's say his recruiting class is 25. He can't take 25 guys with him because guess what? He can't bounce 25 guys at Michigan State. He can't open up that many slots. There's going to be hard feelings. And maybe this is, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, and this is just, we're going to deal with it here in the beginning, and then we're going to go forward, and this job's open now, and I can't count on the next guy failing and it coming open later. Mm-hmm. But I think the possible lawsuit ramifications and all that make it a job I'd stay away from right now. In December, I'd have taken it. Heartbeat. And without without even thinking. Well, uh, you're, you're contradicting yourself just a, a tad. Okay. Because you said that if there are lawsuits, and I would assume that Luke's agent negotiated into the terms mm-hmm. that if there's a lawsuit, I get an extra year. If there's because, NCAA violations. Because lawsuit, I get yeah. the job after the recruiting class is yeah. signed, I get an extra year. Yeah, I hope so. And, and, and I, well, I mean, that's the smart thing I would to have do. Get, if I'm Luke, I would have said I want seven years, not five. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody who's hired gets five. That's it, standard procedure on a college job. Yeah, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. The other, the other issue that this brings up, and I think it's unintentional, but for me, if Evan Prater transfers from UC – uh, then it should open up everybody else's ability to have a one-time waiver as far as players that if it isn't going well where you're where you are in school you're allowed a one-time waiver to transfer and I know that's been brought up and talked about yeah big tens proposed that um do you like that or not I do it's free agency man it's free Let agency. Rip, baby we, we, we are going to talk about if we ever have a slow day on the podcast the ramifications of that on the football side and on the basketball side, because I think they're different, uh, but they're all far-reaching. But as it concerns Luke Fickle, and here's the thing. here's I'm going to make a prediction here. Luke Fickle's done a great job at Cincinnati, right? No doubt. Four and eight, 11 wins, 11 wins. Luke Fickle leaves. 
them and takes Evan Prater with him, his legacy at Cincinnati is they're going to hate him. It's fine. They're going to hate that's, him. That's just they're just a, are. They're going to hate him. Okay, so Cincinnati football is a C league sport in yeah, the is. town of Cincinnati. I would just hate that for Luke that he ends up doing that's a great That's the way job it is, though. That's just, that's just eh, not that's, everybody. Pretty they didn't much. hate D'Antonio and Brian Kelly when they left because they left at better times. It's not Luke's fault. The timing's not his fault. Yeah, um, I, I get it, but it, if you're UC, you know what you are. Yeah. They don't want to be that. They don't want to be that. If they, they don't, don't want to be that, they should hire Kerry Combs. That's that's maybe a possibility because I know Kerry wants to be a head coach. That's that's a great point. If I, they don't want to be that, they should hire a Cincinnati guy. And right. Marcus Freeman is going to be Luke Fickle. He's going to go in there, he's going to do a great job, and then bigger programs are going to come calling for Marcus Freeman. Yeah, And I don't blame the coach for leaving. The timing's bad, but also I think it's fine. I mean, if I were in Luke's position, I'd say, hey, look, you guys knew this coming in. This is the deal. Everybody knows the deal when you go to Cincinnati. You have your rare exceptions. I guess a comparison would be to Boise State, right? Uh, what's the kid's name out there? Well, he's not a kid. Anymore. Brian uh, Brian Harson. Harson, yeah, who has been at Boise State. Boise State was able to hold on to yeah. a lot of guys. Uh, 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 Dan um, Dan Crawford, Dan uh, Dan uh, Hawkins. Dan Hawkins. The San Intermural's brother. But he went to Colorado, right? <laughs> yeah, Dirk Cutter know. started out at Boise well, State. All the Boise guys go and don't build on their Boise success, except yeah. Chris Peterson did a nice job at Chris Washington. Pe- got him in a playoff, got him in a Rose Bowl. For Washington, Washington is Michigan State. Although Washington will be mad about That's that, true. they say no, they're no. better. They say they're better than they're not USC. I'm sorry, you're not. Although they're better than Michigan State because they had great years with Don James. And, yeah, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Luke. I if sure it is. I didn't. I did not talk to him. If I were to talk to him, I would deny advise it. him. I would deny it. No, I wouldn't <laughs> deny it. If I had the permission to talk about it. Um, I would say this. I think he was very smart in turning down West Virginia last year. Very smart. Very I mean, that's smart. that's not a job that he felt. But this is a, a fit. Like you see that it's a fit. I feel oh, yeah, that it's sure a fit it is. And sure for it is. Luke Fickle and for Michigan State. I think this is the exact play to make. And one thing that I would be concerned about, slightly, not not overly concerned, but some concern, if I were Ryan Day. All the guys that I have my choice in Ohio, the state of Ohio, the guys that I want. I think Luke Fickle, because of his ties with the state of Ohio, with his ties with high school coaches in Ohio, mm-hmm. can actually come in here and recruit and compete against Ohio State for those top-notch guys. Recruiting Ohio just got harder. It did. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it got impossible because it's far from that. Uh, but Cincinnati has always been the area of Ohio where if you were going to poach a kid – that's where you have the best chance to poach a kid because Cincinnati is, as Bob Huggins once told me, it's like its own entity. It is. It's like, it's like the state of Cincinnati because there are more Kentucky fans in Cincinnati than Ohio State fans. Ohio State, here's... Basketball-wise, I wouldn't say football. Not football-wise, yeah. but there's a lot of Notre Dame fans. There's BC fans. There's, there's a parochial school yeah. seat. Yeah. So, and Luke's coached at Cincinnati, so he can go in there. And D'Antonio coached at Cincinnati, so he can he knows those guys and... Look, Luke's going to preach the same thing to Ohio recruits that Bo Schembechler preached to you. Come here and yeah. be a contrarian, and they, you know, and, and particularly, there are a lot of good players in Ohio who Ohio State doesn't offer because they're going out and they're getting 
Julian Fleming from Pennsylvania, and they're getting C.J. Stroud from California, and they're mm-hmm. getting all these guys, Jeff Okuda from Texas and J.K. Dobbins from Texas. Ohio State's recruiting nationally now. They prioritize national over Ohio. They'll say Ohio's their first priority, and if you have a Paris Johnson in Ohio, yeah, they do. But the guys who are three-and-a-half stars, right? they're going to be on the buffet for Luke Fickle to come in and grab. And for some odd inexplicable stupid reason Harbaugh has not recruited no, those guys Harbaugh or I mean Indiana will get an occasional guy and you know Illinois Penn State will get an occasional yeah. guy you see Halfley's going to come in here and try yeah, to steal some absolutely. guys because I mean they got Luke Keekley at Boston College years ago now Jeff Halfley's at BC he's going to try to do the well, same I it's interesting I talked to, to Luke Keekley about this I talked to him at the water camp right after mm-hmm. he retired and and one thing that is the big concern up there and why it's it's, it's the emission standards are so difficult to yeah, get in. And yeah, we know yeah. that's not necessarily the case at Michigan State. I Here's how I would sell the interview if I were Luke and I Michigan State, okay, how are you going to build and how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that, right? Well, we're going to get the best players in Michigan, obviously. We're going to try to be a national program. We're going to get into Florida. I'm going to try to get into Texas. Mm-hmm. But obviously Cincinnati has a wealth of talent, and talent that is is ignored by Ohio State. But I also think I can compete against Ryan Day, against the number one kids in the state of Ohio, especially in the Cincinnati area. You remember, and I would tell this to the trustees or the athletic director who's ever interviewing me, you remember when Michigan had a pipeline from the Cleveland parochial schools, yeah. right? That's uh, Elvis Gerbach and, and yeah. Dez and a few yeah. other guys that mm-hmm. have went through – up at St. Ed's or St. Cleveland, St. Joe's or whatever it was. St. Joe's, yeah. Or Ignatius even, right? They they got a lot of players from Ignatius. He could build that little pipeline from the Cincinnati parochial schools up to Michigan State. And I I really think that – and I don't. You've talked to Luke. I've talked to Luke. And, you know, on the radio he's a little bit dry and coach speak. But in person – He's an engaging guy. He's got a certain presence about him. And when you when I watched him, Luke had me come down there and speak to the team at UC, right? And I watched Luke all these years as a as an assistant coach. I remember driving up and speaking with Luke when Lee Owens was the coach at Akron. So mm-hmm. Luke went from a GA to the D-line coach at Akron when Lee Owens, former Ohio State assistant, former Maslin High School coach, took the Akron job. And that was uh, Luke's first coaching job. And I was still an active player then, and I remember watching just Luke coach and move around, and you could see that that guy was special. And you know that Jim Tressel thought he was special. And mm-hmm. here's to tell you what kind of coach and person that Luke Fickle is. One guy, when Urban Meyer took the Ohio State job, and I worked with him for a year. Urban at ESPN. Yeah, and you know Urban is very difficult, and I'm not saying it's bad. He's very demanding on assistant coaches, yeah. right? yeah. He demands their absolute excellence. Well, when the purge happened, when Urban came, who was the guy standing? Luke, Luke Fickle. Fickle and Mickey Marotti, right? His his guy. But on the position, well, well Mickey came with him. Yeah. Yes, but Luke was already here. But Luke survived a couple purges, right? Yeah. And so it says something about his ability to coach in the presence that he brings. No doubt. I mean, he's going to do a great job. It's just going to be messy in the beginning. He's going to have to deal with some of that. And I, I think he was well positioned to get, uh, I'll say, bigger, better jobs. You don't, uh, Michigan, you, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State. I don't State. know if he would. T- I don't think he'd take the Michigan job. Maybe not. There's, uh, 
I don't. It's. I think it's very difficult for an Ohio State guy that played here. I don't think coaching here is an issue. That played here. I think it's very difficult for somebody like that to take a Michigan job. Although we did have one, and that would have been somebody who played here, played Gary Moeller. Gary Moeller. Yeah. Excalibur. Gary Moeller. <laughs> Lampshade on the head, Gary. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. Yes, but. I think if the Michigan job is open no and they offer it to Luke Fickle, no way, he's taking it. No way, not now. I think Notre Dame. I think I think he would definitely look at Notre Dame, and I do think Penn State would certainly be. In, you'd be crazy not to, but okay. I, I don't think he would take the Michigan job. All right, so uh, you and I both believe that within five years, within ten years, Ryan Day will be offered and accept an NFL head coaching job. Oh, I, uh, yeah. There's no I, okay. I there's no doubt. All right. So when that happens, if but that's the big thing. I mean, that's what do you want to do? You want to risk that happening? No, I'm just saying. I, I I get why Luke's taking the Michigan State job. I'm not right. saying he should have stayed at Cincinnati and been Chris Peterson at Boise and turned down a bunch of great jobs before taking Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying when that happens, because you and I both believe it's going to happen. Ryan Day to the NFL. Luke Fickle, we believe, is going to be successful at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Would Ohio State want Luke Fickle to be the head coach of the Buckeyes? And I can't in my, just working off my mind, remember a Big Ten coach. This happens in the Pac-12 routinely. Yeah. But I can't remember a Big Ten coach in my time covering the Big Ten since 1990, moving from one Big Ten school as head coach to another school as head coach. I can't remember it. I don't think it's happened. I'm going to say it hasn't happened because somebody will have to prove, disprove that, that statement. I think that's a credit to the Big Ten. Nobody and- wants to admit another school in the Big Ten has a better coach than them. Mason came super close, and nobody would have disputed that the Ohio State job is a better job than the Minnesota job. Right. And Mace had a win over Ohio State in Ohio Stadium. I thought when he won that game, he just earned the right to be John Cooper's successor. Isn't it I crazy that how he never got back into coaching? Yeah, it is crazy because he won 10 games at Minnesota. Yeah, he had a good They went team. through a long down spell like Indiana did after Bill Mallory. Yeah. Uh, when they thought they could get better. Um, I, no, I, I, I can't. Th- I, don't, I, I believe you're right, but I do think there's, unlike the Pac 12. I think the Big Ten, there's a sense of pride in your coaching at Michigan State. You know what I mean? Yeah. You become like Mark yeah. Bantano. He's going to build that up. He's going to talk that Spartan. up and buy into that. Yeah. And, and so Michigan State is a final destination job. It wasn't for Nick Saban because he ended up going to LSU. Yeah. But I think for a guy like Luke Fickle, it is a final destination job, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think he would leave. For example, if he had the same opportunities that Nick Saban had to go from Michigan State to LSU, I don't think Luke Fickle makes the jump to an SEC school over Michigan State. I think he turns into Mr. Spartan. I think Cincinnati fit Luke because another aspect of Luke, and you can speak to this more than I can, but I'm certainly aware of it, is Luke is definitely concerned about quality family life for Amy and I think six there are six children. They have two sets of twins. Got a bunch of them. I don't know. Cincinnati fit. It's a it's a it's a good city to live in. Uh, you know when you make the kind of money Luke's making at Cincinnati, two and a half million bucks. 
East Lansing is not a big city. It's going to be very livable and you know very nice and all that. Or Lansing, mm. I don't know about East Lansing. You don't like East Lansing? I well, always like. I got a Lansing. little different take on this. Okay. You like to blend into the woodwork so people don't know who you are. I get that. I think for his family, yeah, I get that. yes. Um, I think up in East Lansing, because of, even though it, the capital is Lansing, Michigan, mm-hmm. I believe, right? Capital and of the so, state of Michigan, yes. And so you, you look at that, I, I do think everybody will know who uh, Luke and his kids are. Everybody in school will know who they are because, you know, it's really green, Spartan green, not yeah. green, green energy, but really green in East Lansing, so everybody understands Michigan State. I think it's a little bit different, and it's a little less uh, popular, I guess, than being a head coach at Michigan, mm-hmm. if we have to be honest, because that's just the way it is. Michigan is the you know, the big brother, little brother thing, and there's some truth to that. And he's going to pound that. But man. at Cincinnati, of course, you no, know, Cincinnati's a Redstown, right? It, that's, it's Reds always town. been a Redstown. No doubt. And it's then if the Bengals are winning, it's a Bengals town, but – and. You can make an argument that UC basketball or Xavier basketball is ahead of Cincinnati football. You can Both make are. an argument that Both Louisville are. and Kentucky basketball are ahead of Cincinnati football. So yeah. it was much easier for Amy and Luke and his whole all the gaggle of kids he has to certainly blend in right there, right? And yeah. if Cincinnati loses to its rival, whether that's Houston or this year might have been Memphis. It's Miami. It's no big deal. It's right? Miami. The Red Battle of the Bricks, or no, that's Ohio Victory and Miami. Bell. I think Victory Bell. Yeah. I think. So I do think, yeah, that would be a little more of a, a lifestyle adjustment that his whole family will have to make once he takes that job. But that, that's because it's a Big Ten job. It's in Michigan State. So and it's. I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a destination job. I think they're Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State are places that you go, and that's it. That's the final place you're going. I think every other Big Ten school, you're open to move. Am I missing one out of those Did Big Ten? you say 10? Michigan? Yeah, said- Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State. Am I missing any other Big Ten school that would be a no. final no. destination or final stop? No. Now, I will say at Michigan State, uh, basketball's king. But that may not be true when Izzo leaves. And one good thing for Luke is, unless this lawsuit from the former assistant coach saying that Mark D'Antonio did things that are against NCAA rules blows up into something significant, Luke is going to have a lot of cover on campus. He's going to have Mark D'Antonio there watching over him. They're going to put Dino in some kind of a special assistant to the something job. And Izzo, apparently Izzo, has to sign off on the hiring of the football coach, which sounds like... Why? Well, because they value Tom Izzo. He's been to a million Final Fours, and they think Tom Izzo can identify the characteristics needed in a great coach. Now, I don't... And and Izzo's buddies with uh, Mooch, Steve uh, Mariucci. Izzo's got a kind of a football mentality. I don't think that's a red flag for me that Tom Izzo, you know, they want Tom Izzo's input on They want their football and basketball coach to work together. I um, have gotten to know Tom Izzo a little bit. Uh, I actually spoke to him this summer. And I can tell you this, that nobody fits a Tom Izzo guy like a Luke Fickle. Yeah, I think they're going to be great together. <laughs> yeah, you they're going to be great together. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to maybe push back just a tad. I get the popularity of Michigan State basketball. Now, mm-hmm. you know, one benefit that I have in my observation might be skewed a little bit because I lived in the state of Michigan yes, for eight years. 
And I know this, that, and I've said this so many times, Michigan is a football state. It's not, it's not a Red Wing hockey, even when the Red Wings were winning Stanley Cups. The whole metropolitan Detroit area or, or the Detroit area, when at the Silverdome we could put 82,000 people mm-hmm. on a Sunday. When Michigan State was really good, they can fill up 80,000 on a Saturday. When Michigan's really, or every week, fills up 100,000. It's a football state. Okay. And there are a lot of Spartan fans in the state of Michigan. And if you can do like Mark D'Antonio did and have some ability to sustain maybe three or four years in a row, which is going to be very difficult because you're in Ohio State's division, but you can get to that Big Ten championship. You can make the college football playoff once every four or five years. He's going to be – he'll overtake D'Antonio. I really I think – I mean, he's young still. What Luke's got to be – he's Vrabel's age. So what is that, 46? I'm going to say 45. 45, yeah, we'll 46. Find out here. But I, I just think for him it, – it, and the more I talk about it, the more I think it's the perfect job for him. I really do. And I hope – that he takes it. I hope he gets his opportunity. I know how hard he works. I knew how hard he worked to build at Cincinnati. I knew the, how hard he and his staff worked to create uh, the type of culture that I believe you need to have at mm-hmm. Cincinnati. So, 46 years old, yeah. Luke Fickle. So, go get him, man. So, who is this worse news for? Jim Harbaugh or James Franklin? I think Harbaugh, to be honest with you, because I snap him to attention. It's going to highlight if he's losing to Ohio yeah. State and Michigan State every year. I, I just think that for whatever reason and that the Michigan and Harbaugh thing is not working. It's but not it, working. but then then people are quick to point out Harbaugh's record. Right. He's yeah. one tank. But it, it, it just doesn't is feel nine and three what you want to be. It feels he's averaging. He's averaging about a nine and three. He's nine and three. What you yeah. want to be? I don't think that's but, what Michigan But he's losing to, to Notre Dame. He's losing to Ohio State. He's losing to the rivals. Have they been in a Big Ten championship game since he's been there? Nope. They're, have they even sniffed a Big Ten? Well, yeah, that one yeah, year. They, they've yeah, they they've been close to Ohio State. You know, yeah. if they get the spot or he's he's not doing the job. At this juncture of his time there, that any of us envisioned so this he is would the, be doing. This is the perfect time for Luke Fickle to take over Michigan State and get the type of players that he wants to get in there because you have your arch enemy. Now, Michigan State's arch rival is Michigan. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, that that's the number one goal is to beat Michigan, right? Yep. And Notre Dame has a nice little rivalry when they play with uh, Michigan State, but I think this, you know, Michigan is vulnerable and could be had. And to be able to get the people of Michigan, if you have any of those independent voters, since we're in an election year, that root for both Michigan and Michigan State, I think Luke can be able to get um, uh, some of those people to go green. Here's the other thing that I do think Luke will be a little bit more endearing to the fan base, right? He can, he's, he'll probably be a little. And this is not a knock; it's just a fact. Just his presence and how he conducts himself, and not that Mark D'Antonio conducted himself in a negative way, but you'll actually see Luke smile and Luke talk positive, and and not be looking to fight everybody every single second. 
Does yeah, that, Luke's, does that make sense to you? So he he's a more of a guy that can that people can connect to. Where where Mark was, I think people were almost intimidated to talk to him because of just his his natural demeanor. Well, they weren't really as a intim- football guy. They weren't really intimidated. They were just asleep talking to Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Luke Fickle is not Mister Excitement, but compared to Mark D'Antonio, he is. Ricky Gervais. He's a funny, <laughs> gregarious dude compared to well, Mark D'Antonio. you are compared to Mark D'Antonio. Everybody is. That couch <laughs> is compared to Mark D'Antonio. But I'm not, but I don't want to, I don't want to beat, I'm not trying to beat D'Antonio down because he was he awesome. He beats himself down. He was awesome at Michigan State. Yeah. What he was able, and you know, the biggest thing I loved about Mark D'Antonio was when all this went down and he, the testimonies from his players and I don't, we don't know what goes on behind the walls of that building because it's locked down. I was I was banned from the building. Okay, I had why? a why I I don't know why. We well, never got in. We you graduated because, from Ohio State because bo- both of us had uh, uh, you know the story, and I've told a story yeah. a number of times, and I I still to this day have no idea why. I was banned from practice. And the answer I was, well, our local media, we're not, we don't allow them in practice. And I said, well, they don't pay you a billion dollars a year to broadcast your games. I like ESPN. It's my job. Uh, I just, uh, to me, when I look at Mark, he can look back on his career, and every coach has issues that they deal with. Just ask Urban Meyer. Just ask James Franklin. Just ask Lou Holtz, right? There's always going to be things that go awry. But overall, and by reading the majority of testimonials from his players, Mark D'Antonio was a, a great coach at Michigan State. He surpassed some great coaches in Dufford, Duffy Doherty, George Perlis. To become, is he the winningest coach in Michigan Mark State? Mark Antonio is yep. 110 so, and wins, so I think. Congratulations. One, and, I think, 114. I think 110 made it. I think winning. Luke's going to do better, and yeah. I hope he does better. Well, here's Dan, Here's the heyday of Mark D'Antonio, 2013 to 2017. He won 10 or more games four out of five years. 13 and 1, 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 3 and 9, 10 and 3. That's the heyday. And then the last two years, 7 and 6. All right. So, Moving on. Let's know, move on. They don't have a whole yeah. lot of, you know, Super talent there, but Luke will do fine. Okay, yes, moving on to less pleasant topics. Ohio State basketball yesterday at Wisconsin was dreadful. Uh, They won at Michigan, and I foolishly wrote a story that, hey, they showed toughness. We were talking about toughness. What toughness they showed at Michigan State. Well, that's what you get for being nice. Caleb Wesson persevered. Kyle Young hit two big free throws. C.J. Jackson, uh, C.J. Walker, rather, hit two big free throws. Dwayne Washington, big three. And all that went out the window yesterday. Caleb and Dwayne Washington were horrible. Uh, Wisconsin, the legendary Brevin Pritzel, couldn't miss a shot, and they got run. They got beat by more than 10, and, that, and then that was with a 14-2 to run at the end of the game. So they were not competitive at all. Very disappointing. They play Rutgers at home on Wednesday. I don't know what else I can say about this team is they – They are what they, they are, They Bruce. looked like they had so many weapons early in the year, and now they frequently look completely inept and meek. And meekness in the spiritual realm was good. Meekness in the college basketball realm was not good. That's who they are. They just submitted yesterday. Just very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, because and they get swept by Wisconsin. Swept by Wisconsin. Swept by Minnesota. 
Not Which good. shouldn't happen, right? No, shouldn't happen. No. Shouldn't well, happen. I mean, okay, and obviously they're missing a, a player that I think, uh, DJ Carton, yep. who was getting better and better and playing with more confidence and pl- almost like the college game, he was catching up to the college game. He was figuring it out. And was starting to excel, and that that's a setback for them. Big but time. when you take that at least that threat of scoring off the floor, it's going to have a setback. I mean, you could overcome it in a little bit, but somebody has to play lights out. Like against Michigan, Dwayne Washington played lights out. Caleb played lights out. And Caleb played lights out. But if you're not going to get that consistency from your older players every game, then you're going to have an up-and-down year. They're going. That's what they're going to be. The only thing, and even if they do make the tournament, they're not going to get past the second round. Wouldn't think so. They're gonna they're gonna make the tournament, uh, but they can't, you know, lay down and roll over and play dead this week. Rutgers could beat them, and and Purdue could beat them. But Ohio State could and should win both those games at home. If they win them both at home, they are five hundred in the Big Ten, which has been a long slog back to that. If they get, then they play at Iowa. I wouldn't expect Carton to come back at Iowa. Oh, Iowa I kid. love Iowa. I'm sure you do. You I love, love watching Coach love Fran work. Coach Fran McCaffrey. Yes, I do. Yeah. He works that sidelines. Oh yeah, he works that sideline. He's a great coach for Iowa. <laughs> He's fun to watch. He's a psycho. What? And then <laughs> who's at, more psycho? By the way, speaking of oh, psychos, yeah, we got to talk about the psycho. How return. about? that i, I didn't really watch, had like a tear in my eye i, I gotta watch, be honest with you. i did not watch one frame of video of bob knight's <laughs> return to bloomington not one I you saw did not fo- watch I robert saw, montgomery i did Knight? not i saw still photographs but i will say this look he was not even close to my favorite uh coach he's a <laughs> he's a guy who's done great things with his teams his players love him. Mm-hmm. Most of his players. Most love of him. his players love him. He has many who do not. Yes, like uh, most coaches, right? You would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, his is a little. His are a little more. Yeah, uh, more elaborate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has said some horrible things about people. Um, but you know, look, we're, I'm, I'm not without sin myself, and uh, they're all. There's no <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, and F on sins. They're all graded the same. Uh, there is, I thought the most insightful thing I saw written about Knight's return to Bloomington Saturday was that there's something about seeing a person who has always been strong, intimidating, and all that, seeing them in their old age and in their physical yes. feebleness and weakness. That's the first. That your heart has to go out to them. It just does. Even mine, even with my <laughs> lack of love for him as an Indiana basketball coach. You know, you see your, I saw my dad, I saw my dad, you know, like late in life, your dad went through a decline physically and it's, it's real and it's stark and it impacts you. It's the first time that he looked really old to me and, and that's, you know, that's just the natural aging process, I guess. But I think with Bob Knight, the one thing uh, that I respect for Bob Knight is that first of all, he was consistent, right? Yeah, he was consistent. He, he, he was. consistently angry, consistently good. He was interesting. But don't we talk about not staying where you are? Here? We're not right. trying to hold that up as like. I, I guess. Hey, if you're my, a nasty dude, just stay right there. My point is that he was consistent as a coach. Yeah. So at least when you signed with Indiana, you knew what you were getting. Should have. Just like uh, we had a former coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer here, Sue. 
Or is, is I don't talk- think he sued well, him. I he's, think he's talking making, about suing, making his point about suing the NFL, he's right? He's making a headline, yeah. That he's going to hell. Well, that was obviously hyperbole, and I, if you read the article, it's pretty interesting. He wants to sue. He's floating the idea of suing the NFL for the halftime show that has put sinful thoughts in his okay. head. Okay, the, the point being is that he said it wasn't advertised. Well, if you know it's J-Lo and you know it's Shakira, you know yeah. what you're getting. Right. Just Good. like if you're a basketball player, a high school basketball player, and you go to Indiana, you know what you're getting. Yes. And my point of him being consistent is that he didn't change. The other thing about Bob Knight is that, to me, he's interesting. He was an interesting guy to follow. Sure. He, uh, what it was almost like, I don't know what I'm getting at this game, but I'm certainly going to watch to see what comes this game. And, uh, you can't argue with the success that he's, that he had as a basketball coach. Now I get, I really do. I understand the, the anxiety that he can cause people. But to me, I think if you would add a score up, he made college basketball better. Yeah, I, he had, you know, Ricky Callaway, Lawrence Funderburk, Neil Reed, many other players. Well, how about Isaiah? Who didn't no, who didn't last oh. there, I'm saying. Isaiah got 2 years and he's like I'm getting out of here away from this crazy guy yelling at me all the time. But he he did make his players better. Uh he did uh a great job of coaching in terms of X's and O's, great coach. I thought they missed a tremendous marketing opportunity Saturday with Knight coming back for Purdue. I mean, how they didn't have him throw out the first chair is beyond yes, me. Very nice. I mean, that would have been actually good. That's years a, ago. Uh, sponsored by Lazy Boy. Sponsored by Lazy Boy. Bob Knight will throw out the first chair. <laughs> and it won't break. Right. We can stand up to Bob. I mean, the commercial writes itself. Sure does. <laughs> a little Buckeye trivia question. Bill Hoskett was the color analyst on the throne chair game. How'd Bill respond? Bill was like, oh, Bobby Knight's throwing a chair. Okay, good. And so nice guy, by the way, Bill Hoskett, she just <laughs> tremendous guy, and a funny guy. You want to talk about a guy who's got a million stories. Bill Hoskett's got some <laughs> funny, funny, funny stories. Um, Bill Hoskett's got an Olympic gold medal and an NBA championship ring. Well, Pretty nice career. Much for, more than you and I have for Wilmer Haas. Yes. Um, that's the reason they chained chairs together at Indiana, by the way, is because Knight picked up a chair and threw it. So they chained them together, so you had to throw it like the whole yeah. row if you wanted to do that. Okay. Uh, Buckeyes and Rutgers Wednesday. Good luck. They're going to need it. They're not good enough to beat anybody just by rolling it out there. How was your trip? I was very nice, actually. Good. Went to Florida for a couple days and hung out. Uh, one very – a couple frustrating things happened. Okay. With, I walk into the weight room, and there are old people on my machine, on my treadmill, and using my dumbbells, and it was very aggravating to me. Did you uh, patiently <laughs> wait for them to <laughs> occupy, move to something else? It's it's confession time. Okay. For some reason, and I'm getting better, and this is something, really, that I'm being honest, that I have to work on. I have to work on patience. And uh, not being uh, the word I'm looking for. What, what entitled? I don't want to be yeah. entitled when yeah. I walk into the hotel weight rooms. Yeah. Somehow, I have this feeling of entitlement, and I don't like it. It's the truth. I have this feeling of entitlement that comes over me, and I don't say anything. I smile, but it's not genuine because inside I'm thinking, 
Will you please, for the love of God, hurry up and get off the freaking machine? <laughs> All right. Well, you have your own facility the, at home, so the, I, you don't have to wait on. You don't wait in line at home. You got the. You're, you're reading a magazine and you're pedaling the bike at about four miles per hour. You're not yeah. getting anything done. You're wasting the time. You're wasting somebody's time that might want to use the bike. And why, why am I judging? I'm, I'm just confessing. Yeah, I no, really I am. It. This is it. bad. I, I don't it. like it. I, I don't like it. doing this. I get it. But I'm doing it. And then, then they, they go and they, they grab the dumbbells, and it, then it gets crowded. And I, I'm using the dumbbells because I'm supersetting, and I'm trying to get a good workout in. And and so I'd be very, I'm very passive-aggressive. So I'll give them one of these. Big sigh. Oh. And I'll give him the look. Like, it's just, Is Carrie with you while you're doing this? or is she... Well, she starts out with me, yes. And I think there's a and little bit of leaves. embarrassment that yeah. comes over here. And then she goes and does her own thing. And mm -hmm. so I'm asking those of you that pray out there. This is, this is I mean, I'm, if I'm going to be a podcast, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. This is a weakness that... Please, when I go on the road and I work out, that's why I work out at four in the morning in hotel weight rooms. But this one, I went in at eight in the morning. Oh, Big mistake. And when there are people in there that might not be as knowledgeable about training as I am, and they're in there and they're peeing in the wind because they're not doing anything but taking up space and oxygen, that you. <laughs> I gotcha. You understand? I mean, yes, I get the frustration. I don't, and I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be this way. So if you pray out there, please pray for Chris's tolerance and patience. Well, doesn't it work when he's that working out in public weight rooms? When we're in a situation that we don't like and don't <laughs> react well to, isn't it funny how we keep getting put in those situations until we handle it the right so way? So what's 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 that, what are you saying, trying to say? Until you handle it the right way, <laughs> there's always going to be an old person with black socks on pulled up to their knees uh, riding no, the recumbent but, bike but, at four miles an hour. But here's where I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because I'm happy that these yeah, senior, they're in there working. They're in there trying, trying, trying. But I want to say something to them. You're not doing anything by doing this. You, you would be better to go walk the mall. Go on that beautiful beach out there and walk up and down the beach. You'll be better because you're not doing anything here. There's got to be a nice way to say yeah, that. Yeah, there's got. Then, then if you're right, if you're working out, and you can't be pedaling a bike at four miles per hour and reading a magazine, that's not working out. That's taking up space. I'm, is there a nice way to get that message I don't know that across? I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> so I apologize. Could I give you? you could, I'm trying to think how you could say this. Could I give you a? You could, you could start with, hi, I played in the NFL. I don't think that's what you want to do. No, I don't do that. You, you say, know me, that. I don't do that. I'm just kidding. Say, hey, could I give you a tip? Or, hey, could I, would you like for me to, I don't know. There's no good, sometimes there's just no good way. You know what? We, have, well, we should avail ourselves of the here, wisdom of the people listening me, to the podcast. I do. <laughs> people, SpielmanHooliPodcast at gmail.com. How should Chris handle this situation? How should he handle this situation? My, it's it, and just generally because it's a, just think of it like in in public weight rooms or hotel weight rooms, and I don't know if you guys travel or work out in these weight rooms, but you know that a lot of people are in there are, are inexperienced, and I shouldn't I shouldn't judge him for that. And I'm very judgmental, and I don't like it. I don't like that about myself. I'm being completely honest with you. I want to say, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. And I get, you know, I get that you're trying to make a difference, but you're not making a difference. 
you need to get professional help or some type of training advice because what you're doing here is you're doing nothing. Now, that's what I want to say. And that's the absolute wrong thing to say and the wrong way to say it. And I, and I don't like admitting this, but if I'm going to be honest with you and expect and have an honest look, and I'm saying this to you because I want to change. I'm trying to change. So what I could say is, hey, uh, are you? can I jump in with you right there? Then after I do think, hey, you might want to try it like this if if not. But then people get so sensitive, then somebody's yeah. going to get angry or ticked off. But I, I and it's not just older people. I, I'm I'm happy that older people are working out in there. It's just just when it's crowded and everybody acts like they own the weight room, including myself. It's just nothing good happens from it. So the only solution I have come up with is that I have to go in there at four in the morning or yep. four thirty in the morning when nobody else is in there. You are aware though that those people are not going to be in your own home gym because this morning I got a text from you at four twenty seven a.m. <laughs> You were up working out at 4.27 a.m. Well, I do have 6,000 miles to get to, yeah, my friend. Yeah, you <laughs> so, I mean, there's no line at your place. You can sleep until 5.30 that, that's, to do your workout. That's, oh, okay. Um, Faith-wise, anything you want to share today? I, do you have something? I just have been thinking about... I, I have um, some friends uh, at church that I've... Uh, been thinking about and praying for throughout the day as they both have uh, different situations in their life that are, you know, really difficult situations. Uh, one is praying for wisdom and one is trying to persevere through some difficulty. And so thinking about how we equip ourselves to do that and the um, perhaps most famous scripture about equipping ourselves for whatever comes along is from Ephesians 6.10. It's the full armor of God scripture. And I remember as a little kid uh, loving Ohio State basketball during the Elton Miller era and always being frustrated when Elton Miller, after every game, he had all this great talent, Herb Williams, Jim Smith, Kelvin Ramsey, <laughs> Carter Scott. And he always talked about defense, 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 defense. And it used to frustrate me to no end because he would never, ever talk about offense. But if you look at the Ephesians 6 um, chapter about the full armor of God, God outlines, or Paul, who wrote the... Uh, letter, talks about the weapons we have. He talks about the belt of truth, the sword. I'm going to read it. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The different weapons that we have. And take note as, well, go ahead. I'll point it out after. Just give me one second here. The armor of God. This is by Paul, letter to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Once again, you have to, if you acknowledge there's a God, then you need to acknowledge that there's a devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Satan. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right there. That's what I'm talking about. So he outlines the belt, the helmet, the shield, the breastplate, and the things that go over your feet. And then he says the shield, which is the, the sword, rather, of the spirit, which is the word of God. All those weapons, five of the six are defensive weapons. You can't really wage a battle with a belt, a helmet, a shield, a breastplate, or like a thing over your feet. But he does. Those are protection. Those are protection. Yeah, yeah they're 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 defensive weapons to mm-hmm. shield you from the damage. But the sword is your offensive weapon, and the sword is he says the word of God. So if you want to go into battle against whatever you're facing in your life, if you don't have a sword, you don't have an offensive weapon. You're like coaching like Eldon Miller. You don't care anything about offense. And the sword is the word of God. So my challenge to myself whenever I face adversity is don't fight the battle without the truth of God. Arm yourself with the truth. Arm yourself with an offensive weapon that can do damage. It's like a dry, I'm like a dry sponge unless I plunge myself into the Word of God where the nourishing truth of Scripture is, where I can draw strength like the roots of a plant draw strength from water. If you don't water a plant, it dies. If I don't immerse my roots in the truth of God's Word, I'm useless against whatever battle. I can stand firm and I can Mm. take the arrows and all that, but eventually I'm going to be overwhelmed because I don't avail myself of the truth that's in the Word. And everybody in our country, this differentiates us from other countries, it's not hard to get your hands on a Bible here, folks. It's just not. And there are other countries where people (laughs) would would and do risk their lives for a page of the Bible. You can go into a dollar store, I bet, and buy a Bible for a buck. Mm -hmm. So... You know, at the end of your life, on Judgment Day, if you've never cracked a Bible open, if you've never availed yourself of that wisdom, I mean, to me, that's um, God's going to be very, very um, hurt by that, that he put that truth out there for you, and you didn't avail yourselves of it. Well, then, in in my case, like, today's the perfect example. Like, we, I was telling that story, and I was having a little bit of fun with it, yeah. but it's, but it's, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I really don't. You know, and so not only would I look at the word of God for the sword to take offense against myself for being that way, but I'm actually asking people (laughs) and I, you know, I appreciate sarcastic responses too, as much as anything, but I do, I love them, but I'm asking people to say, okay, what's my solution here? Um, Because I'm really, I really do get frustrated and I don't want to, I hate being frustrated. I mean... I get frustrated at certain things. There, there's nothing more. I really don't get more disappointed in myself when I get frustrated at certain situations. And that's one of my uh, things that, that I battle is a battle of frustration because frustration leads to judgment or frustration leads to, uh, I guess, my ego thinking I know better than everybody else. You know, I I don't know if that's just being a competitor, but it's certainly something that I battle is frustration with situations and people and everything. Because, yeah. I mean, Bruce, you know me oh, as man. well. I, I battle it too. But yeah. you know me as well as anybody. Uh, I'm really not a, a, 
a big people person. I'm a pretty much of a lone loner. Yeah, you're a private guy. And um uh, and I don't that's nothing wrong with that, but I just uh like I was talking to my wife the other day and we were talking about our our lifestyles, right? And she goes, "You notice something I've noticed about you since I've known you and I met her back in 2011, 12, whenever it was." And I said, "What's that?" She said, "You never go out with the boys." Ever. Ever since I've known you, you never go out with the boys. And I said, "Well, do you even have boys?" That's what I said. "Well, care, I don't I don't I don't really have boys. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have lots of friends. Yeah. I have lots of acquaintances, but I never I've gone out with the boys. And so that j- I'm just giving you the point that I don't do a lot of things and I'm not a big social guy. If people see me out, I'm kind of... I'm low- going out with the boys tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. We're going to plan our uh, application of our leadership uh, tools to uh, youth sports. You want to come and offer your input? No, I'm We'd good. We'd love to have Thanks. you with the boys. Thanks. The boys would love to see you. Not really. I'm not. Okay. Same. <laughs> Can't go out with the boys unless you want to actually mix with the boys. You'd like these boys. Uh and I, yeah, but I think for this podcast, really, this is kind of what I envisioned it, me getting on here and saying all my shortcomings and all my faults. But I only share this, all this stuff with you out there is because I know that there's people out there that have the same issues That's in right. dealing. I just want you to know that you're not the only person that does this and you're not a bad person for having these issues and that, you know, I am seeking truth to deal with some of these issues that I that I deal with and I know they're small and some of them even like the weight room stuff is petty it's so petty that I can't even look at myself in the mirror because when I leave the weight room and I end up having a good work I go back up to the room and I look in the mirror and I said what's the matter with you why do you cause yourself grief and anxiety when you don't need to and I know people struggle with that too so I'm just sharing it so you can know that Bruce and I have the same struggles oh, that you do and we empathize with you. We want to pray for you. We want to to uh, let you know that you're not alone, whether it's struggling with confidence, whether it's struggling with frustration, whether it's struggling with anger, whether it's struggling with circumstances in your life. You're not alone. And not only do you have two guys in a basement that do an NFL consulting business, self-proclaimed, <laughs> but you know that you're, uh, God's always walking with you. Absolutely right. Well said. Great to see you back from Florida. Email the show. We'd love to hear from you, uh, what you think of the podcast, how we can help you, topics you'd like for us to discuss. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on YouTube and Instagram. We uh, enjoy and appreciate your attention. Everybody have a great day.